Coming up on Squats and Margaritas. People are going to say the wrong thing because we're we're humans. Now it's like you say the wrong thing, you're canceled. So you're so afraid to. I think there's like the need for repair. And a lot of times that doesn't happen. Yeah. And so when I look at um, folks being canceled, I think they're not doing the work of repair. And, And how do I repair with the community and myself and the people around me. And sometimes it's an apology, right? Most times it's not like we're looking for like a way to rebuild trust because, you know, when you say or do the wrong thing and you just kind of keep doing that and you're not learning from it and you're not even acknowledging that you said something that was harmful or you did something that really like impacted a lot of people in a negative way. Like if you're not acknowledging that, then I don't have to keep trying, but if you are going to acknowledge it and then you're willing to do some repair, it's really like the repair piece is really important. And we often forget that because we move into this urgency of like, I need to fix things when it's um, maybe yourself that you need to fix. Hey, senorita, really nice to meet you. Have some tequila and stay. This week on Squats and Margaritas, it's the number one New York Times bestselling author of This Book is Anti-Racist, Tiffany Jewell. She's out with her new book, The Anti-Racist Kid. It serves as the essential illustrated guide to anti-racism for empowering your children. The book teaches your kids the words, language, and methods to recognize racism and injustice and what to do when they encounter it. I love this. This is especially important to me, as it should be for every human, not raising racist children. Um, My kids are biracial, and I just have so many questions for Tiffany, how to talk about identity, when to have the conversation with them. Please do me a favor and hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this episode. And if you could leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, um, I'll be your best friend forever. Here is my episode with Tiffany Jewell. Please give me grace. I'm sure you (laughs) take a deep breath every time you talk to a white woman about anti-racism. I'm in a unique situation. Um, I'm married to a black man and I'm raising two biracial children. And I have a lot of questions. Um, We're definitely gonna get into the book, uh, but I, while I have you, yeah, I just I want to talk through some things and some things that have happened in my life and have happened with my kids. Um, both my husband and I are on the same page, and I know that it's not the page that most people say to be on when you talk to kids about identity. And it's kind of like with Santa Claus, like they are blissfully unaware. And it pains me to think that I'm going to put something, especially on my six year old daughter who worries about everything so much already. She has not asked about it. Well, until very recently. Um, And so I didn't want to be the one to be like, you know what, check this out. You have some other thing. So he was on the same page, like we weren't going to talk about it. Um, Just looking at your book, The Anti-Racist Kid, when you talk about identity, it's the first chapter. There's two different identities. It's like yourself, your self identity, and then your societal identity. Yeah. Okay. Can you talk about that? Because I want to ask you about yours. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So there's a difference, right? There's um, what we call social identity. Those are often parts or well, I, I, the way I like to explain it is they are not always framed by us. Um, they're named, um, framed by others. I always, I love to look at the census as a clear example and, and what some social identities are. Um, and so we have race, we have ethnicity, we have um, sex, um, 
other social identities include like um, who you love, uh, religion, and they're really kind of also how you relate to other people in society. And then there's the personal identity, which is like really just things that you name and frame. And so, you know, your favorite color, your favorite book, um, the music you like, the food you choose to eat. And it also includes like traditions and, and things in your family as well. Um, but they're, they're different and society is really focused on social identities. Yes. Um, And so can I ask you, so you identify as black biracial. Yeah. Why? Can you talk me through and what, like, I don't know what my kids are going to identify. Like, I don't know what to even, yes. Yeah. You're black biracial. I always say my kids are biracial. Yep. Yeah. I I've had so many different, um, ways of describing myself over the years, you know, in the 1980s, it was like mixed and that was like the language a lot Um, and, uh, or, or black, white, um, or, um, those are often like my school labeled my sister and I as white. Uh, my mom was like, y'all are black. Um, <laughs> and so really like becoming an adult and meeting other black biracial adults, um, and talking about our own kind of experiences and journeys and our similarities and differences, the term black biracial really, fits for me. Um, you know, um, biracial is definitely like I'm black and white, but black, uh, really I've, I love being black. I love, I love that. And, um, it's often the part of me that many white folks and many, um, different societal organizations stuff try to erase. And so really naming myself, claiming black biracial has allowed me to, you know, I'm really light. Um, and so people often like play this game with me. They're like, what are you like? That's what they say to my daughter. What is um, she? And I'm like, can we not like, yeah, it's not necessary. Um, and so, uh, I, white people are much more comfortable with me because I'm so light. And so also being like, I'm, I'm black biracial. This is who I am. This is culture. This is my identity. I'm a part of a vast group of people all around the world, um, who identify as black and black biracial. And it's really beautiful and lovely. Yes. Yes. I wondered too, you were raised by your white mother and Mm -hmm. if your dad wasn't in the picture, I think about like, Obama, (laughs) like he was Mm -hmm. raised by his white mother, but Mm -hmm. that was the mother and he's male. Mm -hmm. I would think as a female, you would just want to be with the the, like maternal role in your family was like the same sex. If your mom's white, was that how it was when you were growing up until you kind of developed your own identity? Like as my daughter's six and Mm -hmm. I just assume she's going to want to be like mommy and my son is going to want to be like my husband just because Mm -hmm. that's their gender. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like I love my mom and, and like, it wasn't just my mom who raised us like my, my white British, very British grandparent, um, helped too. And I never wanted to not be myself, especially as a young kid. And we grew up in a very racially expansive neighborhood. And so all of our friends are black and, um, and Latin and, and white and Asian, like we are just, our street alone was like, yeah. really 
beautiful and exciting. And our school was like had majority black students um, and and throughout schooling. And so I always saw kids like me. Mm -hmm. um, And so knew that I didn't have to be like my mom to be a whole person. That's beautiful. That's obviously what I want for my kids. And I have been told like you have to have the conversation about identity um, or someone else is going to have it with her on the playground and she's not going to be like equipped to answer it. And I, like mm-hmm. I said, like my husband and I were like, I don't want this. She has so much anxiety. She's six mm-hmm. and a half. My son is four. Yeah. Thinks he's a triceratops. Like we're, right. that's not even like, he is. <laughs> that um, but very recently I was putting her to bed and I'm like rubbing her back. And like the context of it was that a little girl in my son's class got in an accident and she was fine, but my daughter was really concerned about it. And mm-hmm. we're going to bed and I'm rubbing her back and she's like, mommy, um, the girl's name is Shiloh. She goes, is Shiloh like you? And I know you're supposed to respond with curiosity. And I was like, like me, how, what do you mean? And she's like, is she like, does she look like you? And I was like, like what? Like, what do I look like? <laughs> she goes, is she beige? And mm-hmm. I was like, huh? And I go, yeah. And I'm like, where the hell did she get that? Beige. <laughs> like she took it very literally, like it's not black or white, it's beige. And I was like, yeah, she's beige. So I'm like, let's go. She's asking. So I'm rubbing her back. And I was like, what other color skin colors are there? And she's like brown. And I was like, yeah. And I said, who do you know that's brown? Nana, daddy. And I was like, exactly. So I'm rubbing her back and I'm like, I'm just going to hit her with it. Like, and I was like, so what are you? And she like takes a second and she's like, beige and brown mm-hmm. and i was like yeah and i walked down and i like mic drop i was like just had the racial conversation with amaya <laughs> and i was like she said she's beige and brown she's great and so i'm telling you this story because something happened very recently that i i maybe i am in the wrong and i want you to tell me if i am but i was i was interviewing another woman on the show this is this is like the context of it she's black her husband's white and i'm like how do i do it, it was before the shiloh conversation and she said I tell my daughter, you get to be both. I'm only black. I only get to be black. Daddy only gets to be white. You get to be both. And something like I stuck onto that. I was like, I love it. Like she's in this unique situation where she gets to be both. So I'm telling this story to a black man um, a couple weeks ago. And there was also like a Hispanic woman. It's just the three of us. And I, he's asking about my son and he's like, well, what do you tell him that he is? And I was like, oh, we haven't had the conversation yet. But I was like, I talked to Amaya and I loved what this woman said, like, you get to be both. And he's like, you're going to tell him he gets to be black. And I was like, well, I want him to like embrace. He's like, no, he doesn't get to be black. Like, and I felt so like, like uninformed white privilege. Like I completely backed down. I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I get what you're saying. He's like, he doesn't get to be black. Like he's black and you don't tell it to him like that. And I'm like looking at the woman next to me and she's like, yeah, like, are you, you're like, of course you don't tell him he gets to be black. Then the more I thought about it, it's like, I want my daughter to embrace both and be so, like you said, be so excited about being black. And mm-hmm. my three sisters-in-law, they, I mean, embrace the black culture. They're so, they would, wouldn't want to be anything else. And I want her to be proud of that. And it's like, now I, I kind of stand by that. Like I want, they get to be both. Is that the wrong way to explain it to them? And if it is, please tell me. Yeah, it's really different. I mean, every family has their own way of talking about it. And our children understand things that like they're all their own people. Right. And so they understand things differently. So when I talk about race with my kids, it's not, we don't say like you get to be, it's just like, here's what we are. 
Okay. You know, mama is black biracial and my dad is black. My mom is white. Papa is white. Your, what is like, we said, like, what is your skin color? How do you like, what do you call that? The world sees you as, as white kids. My kids are white presenting. (laughs) And so really talking with them about like how they see and understand themselves, but also how other people see them. Yeah. And my kids are 10, almost 11 and six. They're a little bit older. And so we've had like time to do this conversation. When did you start? Like uh, before they could even talk. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, listen, <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess because my husband's on the same page with this. He's like, just let them be. He's, he equated it to Dr. Seuss. He's like, yes, now it comes out. Dr. Seuss is a racist and all these things. He's like, let the kids enjoy the poetry and the pictures. And they don't need to be hit with like this horrible, like, he's like, you're looking at it through an adult, like informed lens. Like, why would we tell the kids? Well, you guess what? We're not reading this. Cause this guy's a racist. He's like, let him enjoy it. Like, that's how he views it as a black mm-hmm. man. And so we, we hadn't said anything. It's so funny. You said they're white presenting. I don't know what my kid, like I have pictures of them. My yeah. daughter looks like Moana. Like she almost She's looks so beautiful. Like, thank you. Like Polynesian almost. Mm-hmm. And like everybody asks, cause she, she has very almond shaped eyes. Like my husband, she looks like she's, she looks like Moana and my son is like a little bit darker and I don't know. So yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. So, and then I'm like, it, do they have different identity, like societal identities, like in their brother and sister? They might. And I tell Absolutely. them you're this and you're this. They're different. Well, and it's not really on us as adults to tell them how to identify, but we can support them by giving them language and really showing them like, there are lots of different ways to talk about who we are. Um, when I'm working with, you know, I think of like, I've been doing a lot of work in schools around identity. And when I work with kindergartners, it's really different talking with five-year-olds and how I'm going to talk with the fifth graders Yeah, because the fifth graders have um, just a different understanding of it. And they might not have the the language that, because maybe they've never talked about it before until fifth grade, but the five-year-olds like developmentally aren't, they're not breaking things um, down in the same way as older kids. And so, but they are seeing it, you know, and they know that kids are different. Like they have different skin colors. Um, Just like they know that like the kids like to wear different things. They, they see all the things. And so we get to as adults share language with them because there's so much power in that. And so having that conversation with your little one about like, skin color is awesome. Right. Cause there she's exploring it and thinking about it. Um, which is like, she's totally like, she is such a six-year-old. Yes. <laughs> like, that's exactly where six-year-olds are in like their racial identity development is they want to like talk about it and figure it out and figure out the differences and how we're similar. Um, and so like, I love that it's like exactly at six and I'm sure your son will have a very similar <laughs> conversation yes. when he turns six too. Yes. Um, but we don't want to put the link, like, we don't want to tell them how to be. I always like, I love picture books. Um, and so, you know, the, the Grace Byers book, like I am enough or, um, Derek Barnes, I am every good thing. Like just reading those books helps to give our kids language on how to talk about themselves. And it's, um, and, and in positive, they're like really beautiful, positive books. Okay. And should we be bringing it up or what should we wait till they 
bring it up to have the conversation. Am I not like, if I don't say anything to my son, am I not like equipping him with an, like if somebody comes up, I don't want him to be accosted on the playground. Like, what are you? And he's like, not prepared to answer, but I also don't want to put something on him that Mm -hmm. he's like not even seeing. And he's blissfully unaware of, but if I should be doing that, tell me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I like, I wish I could, cause I don't, but I don't know what your community is like either. Like, and and how the the kids are and for like my kids, um, especially I'll look at like my younger one who's six. Uh, he will often like talk about skin color and he'll be like talking about a friend and he'll be like, you know, he has blonde hair and he's white. Um, you know, and it's just like an identifier and it doesn't mean the kid is like good or bad or like anything different, but it's his way of identifying them. You're pre-prejudiced. They're not, mm -hmm. they don't have a prejudice mindset yet. It's just like a category. It's not a label of like a hierarchy. Yeah. My kids are the only one, like my daughter's the only mixed girl in biracial class. There's a black boy, Amaya, and then everybody else is white. And then Jace, my son is the only Mm. kid of color in his class. And he hasn't said anything about it yet, but it's like other parents have the racial identity conversation with their children because of my kids. Like they'll come home and be like, what is Amaya? And they'll be like, oh my gosh, I I talked. I was like, oh, she hasn't asked me. I'm glad that everyone else has had the conversation because Amaya's not until very recently with that conversation. She was six and a half. Didn't say any, never asked. And they're in the great, beautiful situation where they see both sides of the family, my husband's side and my, um, my side of the family and they play with cousins on both sides and they have never once came back and say like, I don't look like this side. Like it's just never been brought up. And I was like, I love that. It's pure. And and I I want to say like, everybody looks different. My daughter always be like, cause I lay out by the pool and she'll be like, when am I going to be like lighter or something? And I was like, you're not going to be lighter. I was like, mommy's out here trying to be darker. Like I was like, you have the most beautiful skin and she wants to be Mm -hmm. like me. And she'll, she always brings up lighter. And I, that's why I asked the question about, because I'm the woman and she's a girl. She just wants to be like mom. Right. I, I know Britt Hawthorne, I was listening to something she did and she was like, when am I going to get my daddy color? Yeah. I think like, it was. I yeah. assume my son is going to want to be just like my husband. Cause he's obsessed with them and he wants to look like daddy. And they look the same. Obviously you have a twin. Like you have someone that looks exactly I'm the always same. Answer, yeah. <laughs> but I love that they are the only one kids of color in their around this area, but they have each other and they look yep. like each other. Yeah. But that brings me to like racism. Like we're, we've been talking about prejudice. Racism is when it's like a systemic, it's like in the system where you're like giving an advantage or a disadvantage. You and your sister were put in like the gifted and talented because yep. you were seen as white maybe um you know like we never got like they didn't tell us everything oh something just fell um were there black children in there there were there were some black children but our elementary school was majority black kids um not all the elementary schools in our city were although like where we grew up in syracuse new york there's a a book have a good black population um but the gifted and talented program was where i experienced like not being in a majority of black kids. Right. And I was like, there's a lot of white kids here. Um, and our, so our school district at some point, uh, must have labeled my sister and I as white. Uh, my mom, whenever she filled out forms would check like other or black and white. Um, Yeah. What am I supposed to check? 
<laughs> I get it. I feel your mom because yeah. I was told they're African-American by the lady at the, she goes, they're African-American. I was like, do I check like Caucasian? And she's like, no, you just do African-American. And I'm like, I know I have white privilege. Like I, I, but I'm like, so I don't even like, it's like, I have two African-American children and that is the answer. And that is what I check. And that was kind of hard for me to be like, oh, like I'm not in factored. <laughs> right. And that might change too. Like as they get older and they're like, actually, I want to identify as biracial or multiracial. Okay. You know, it wasn't until like the, I think of the 2000 census where like that was even an option was to be biracial and multiracial. Wow. And so like our school district labeled us, it was also at a time in the like 19, early 1980s, um, where school integration was a big thing. Like schools were all over the country. We're trying, they were like, okay, it's been since 1954 and we still haven't like integrated. So, um, not entirely sure and never got an answer, but I'm making the assumption that we were labeled as white to fill a quota in our school because it was labeled as racially imbalanced because it had more than, um, 45% black kids in the, in the school. And so, we, I think by that white label, when people looked at our paperwork, instead of like looking, cause they often districts and stuff, look at paperwork and, and statistics over who people actually are and the, and the work and what we do and what we say. Um, somebody was like, Oh, maybe, maybe these kids should be in gifted and talented program, or maybe like, you know, I was, um, in middle school, I was tracked into, like the college track yeah. um, while a lot of my classmates from my elementary school weren't. And so I was a good student and everything, but yeah. so were um, they. I loved school and, and they were too. Right. Yeah. Um, and um, so there's, you know, I, this is where I like talk about like the, the next book that I'm writing. It's called everything I learned about racism I learned in school. And so it's like for older kids, um, but it's like part memoir and me doing a lot of that unpacking that we as adults have to do yes. and looking at not just history, but like where kids are now and, um, being like, Hey, you actually have power. You have power to like label yourself or need, like claim your identity in school. You have power to speak up. Like, so really, um, it's really fun and hard to write. <laughs> well, that, that's like kind of like the anti-racist uh, kid. Like that's you're in, empowering kids because you feel like you're, I'm a kid. Like, what am I going to do? First of all, they're, right. they're not looking for it. You tell them what to look for um, and then what they can do. You're a Montessori teacher. Is that what sparked the book? Like, because I know you have your first book and you just wanted to have something that spoke yeah. to kids. Yeah, this book really came from all of my years as a teacher and encountering like so many different kids from different backgrounds and different places and listening to them and knowing like they all have the same kinds of questions, especially yeah. around like race and anti-racism. So it's like all of these questions in the book came from the kids. Yeah. <laughs> like they're ones that I've like clocked or written down and stuff over the years or conversations I've had. Um, and it's really awesome. And I think um, one of the beautiful things of being a Montessori teacher is I got to have students for three years in my classroom. Yep. We, did so that too. we did Montessori. I love it. And yeah. I got to like really build relationships, not just with the kids, but their, their caregivers. And so we would have these conversations too. And they'd be like, well, how do I talk with them about this? Um, 
but I really, as a teacher, I started telling a lot of stories, stories about community, stories about justice, about people working together. We really dove into the work and like the history of racism and anti-racism and the kids would like, they loved it. And they were like, this is what I need to know. And I always remember this, like one kid, like sitting, I remember exactly where he was sitting and he was reading a book and reading about the trail of tears. And he like threw the book down and he was like, this is not okay. Oh and like, as, and then as a group, we're like talking about it. And I loved like his outrage because kids, they know what's fair and they know what's yes. just, and they know it's unfair. Yes. Um, and so really writing a book for younger kids, like they're my people. Like I know how to talk to them. Yes. Like, I know, like we know each other well. <laughs> yeah. And so it was really fun to write this because I feel like there's so much joy and power in having information. Um, and that's was my goal in writing. Yes, it, you succeeded. Thank like, you. <laughs> what are they looking for to call out? Because I know you say maybe they feel like as a kid, I can't do anything. You can go home right. and tell your mom. You can find mm-hmm. like a trusted teacher. But like name some things that's like that a child, like my six-year-old right. could see and know is racism. Like Yeah. And this is like coming from my... Um, my younger kids, like kindergarten class too, like they did a lot of work on activism in, in kindergarten and they made signs that they hung up in the windows of their classroom. And then they also made some signs to put up in the high school. Cause they were like, we want the older kids to know that we like, they were really signs and like saving the planet and justice and um, like no racism. And they were adorable. Um, <laughs> and so they made signs cause they were like, we want to be heard. We want to be seen. Um, and so really like um, we as adults can really help them make space for them to be seen. Um, the Some of these slightly older kids at the school uh, got the whole school to do um, like a, a protest and they, they're kind of on like a slight main road. And, and so they like all stood out together and it was really beautiful. Um, and so there's like, uh, if we can give them a little bit of power, like we could give them a lot of power. It's adults. We, we hold on to it. And so when I say little, it's like starting yeah. to give it up. Um, but giving them that time and space because they know exactly like how they want to problem solve things and giving them the ability to, to be together. Yeah. A lot of times, um, we feel like this work is so individual, but doing it all together is actually like, meets more of where they are. Yeah. And you're so right. They're so like black or white and no pun intended. Like they're <laughs> very like direct, like this is this, yeah. and this is not fair. And they haven't been like polluted by prejudice yet. And it's like they're right. prejudiced. So it's like, no, this is bullshit. No, this isn't okay. But it's like other adults are just like, well, it's just the way it is. Like you're looking at it right. differently as a kid. It's like, no. So it's like their activism is probably so like raw and they're so like driven. I never thought about yeah. it that way. I always think like, yeah. well, they'll, you'll tell them when they're older, they're not going to understand it. No, they right. see it clearly yeah, and are impassioned by it. And yeah. Yeah. They're so passionate. It's really beautiful. And sometimes the passion changes from day to day. (laughs) We have to keep up um, because there's so much too. Um, But yeah, if we just like pause and listen to them, we'll be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Often I ask kids like, what do you need from me? Um, And not like me trying to be like, well, you could do this or you could do that. But I'm like, what do you need from me? I like that. Sometimes they're like, I need a box, you know? And you're like, okay, I can get you a box. What size do you need? (laughs) That's it. And other times they're like, can you talk to the school committee and like, (laughs) 
and invite them. And you want to write my congressman and I need you. Yep. Yeah. Or I just need a stamp. I already wrote my congressman. Right? What do you need? A stamp. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. And in my classroom, um, we did like a whole bunch of work around economic justice. And I worked at a, a private Montessori school and the kids were like, it's not fair that other kids can't go to the school because of tuition. And so they created this whole plan. It was um, in the the vein of the Black Panther Party's 10 point program. They created a nine point program for our school community. And they were like, can you invite the school board? And I was like, okay. Yes, and so I, I invited the school board <laughs> and the school administration and they sat in my classroom and the kids presented to them. Um, and it was really beautiful. And they're like, all I had to do was send out the email, you know, yeah, and then like help them rearrange the classroom. To like see what you've sparked in these kids and like mm -hmm. that they'll take on the next generation. So you have the book for kids. Where would you send adults? Or like, I just feel like it's so white, especially like white women are so scared to like say the wrong thing. Or mm -hmm. you say you have to be very careful with like the language. What advice or like, what would you say to a white woman who definitely feels like they want to speak on it, but also knows that... Right. Sometimes you shouldn't be speaking. It's like when that person was like, they get to be black. And I was like, oh my God, I just completely like acquiesce. And I'm like, well, I can't speak on this, but I want to, because my, I wrote a piece for uh, DC trending and I said, it's, uh, I'm not black, but my person is. So mm -hmm. I see things and I know things that he has gone through. So I do feel right. very passionately about it, but I also know my place. Like, how do you, what do you do? Like, how, what do you say to me or to anyone else? <laughs> like a white person who is very like, passionate about it, but also is very aware of like their place and their white privilege. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Guys, we're moms. We're not out on the town every night anymore. We're chasing our toddlers through our kitchen. But there are those times where you want just that little extra something. Maybe it's a girl's night, a wedding, a date night, a work event. If you're looking for that little extra confidence boost, you need Rejuvalift. Rejuvalift delivers dramatic results to minimize the look of lines, wrinkles, crow's feet, those 11 lines that I have between my eyebrows. I use it on the bags under my eyes. Guys, it works in four minutes and delivers results up to seven hours. I've tried it. I'm obsessed. And now Squats and Margaritas listeners can get 20% off at rejuvaliftbeauty.com using code margaritas. That's R-E-J-U-V-A liftbeauty.com and use promo code margaritas. You need this in your life. Shipping is free. You get 20% off. Go to rejuvaliftbeauty.com. Explain your DNA on, on 10 cases, man. You're inside the police interrogation room with the alleged Potomac River rapist. I'm not guilty on any of this stuff. So calm, so reasonable. Could this be the man who terrorized women for nine years before murdering a brilliant scientist two decades ago? Experience one of the most fascinating true crime podcasts available. Join crime reporter Paul Wagner for Unknown Subject, season three of WTOP's American Nightmare series. Search American Nightmare Podcast on all podcast platforms. Now back to squats and margaritas. I always encourage white folks to find other white folks who are um, on this journey too. You know, if there's like a group and whether it's like a book club or an action oriented group or, or however, um, you know, I have um, a friend, a white friend who like does that work. Um, and they, they host like cohorts of white people in doing anti-racist work. And it's wow. a lot of work, you know, um, 
And it's really beautiful. I also always encourage folks to go to like Layla Saad's book, Me and White Supremacy. I think it's like such a beautiful start. Um, Layla's work's incredible. And she's also starting to host workshops and classrooms uh, or classes online. And um, I think Layla, like the pacing of her work is really like it gives you time to like pause and reflect and digest. um, And also like she holds you accountable. Like you're not going to just learn and sit and be comfortable with that, but she's going to like move you into like taking some action too. I want to be accountable. Like I don't want to say the wrong thing. I also don't want to be scared to talk about it because it's like this white, like I was thinking like you, when you're like, see, who am I talking to today? Like you probably had like this, this white lady, like, you know what I mean? Like where she's going to say something or she's going to feel like she knows. And I, I know my place, mm. but I just want to do the, do right by my kids, like tell them the right things and right. set them up the right way. And my husband is just like, so casual about things. He's like, I don't mm-hmm. know. Like, I'm like, how do you like how, your partner? Is, are you, is it your husband? Mm-hmm. Um, what yeah. is he like? Is he ever like afraid to speak on something or like <laughs> he's just not anymore. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you know, and like, is there like, a story there? Did, did he get in no, trouble? <laughs> no, um, no, it's just like, I've been a teacher for a long time. So I've had years of practice talking with children and figuring my own stuff out too. Um, and so for my husband, who's not a teacher or anything, you know, our children are the first like children he has daily interactions oh, true. with. Yeah. Um, and so it's really like a lot of us talking about things and, um, and also like checking in with our kids and being like, you know, sometimes we say the wrong thing and we make mistakes and really moving into that. Um, you know, like people are going to say the wrong thing. Like I say the wrong thing, like everyone will around something. Um, I feel and like because canceled. we're we're humans, but and I feel like now it's like, you say the wrong thing. You're canceled. Like, it's like, you're, so you're so afraid to, So I, I think you, I, I think there's like the need for repair. And a lot of times that yeah. doesn't happen. Yeah. And so when I look at, um, folks being canceled, I think they're not doing the work of repair and, right. and how do I repair with the community and myself and the people around me. And sometimes it's an apology, right? Like sometimes we're just looking for an apology and other, most times it's not like, we're looking for like a way to rebuild trust. Um, because you know, when you say or do the wrong thing and you just kind of keep doing that and you're not learning from it and you're not even acknowledging that you said something that was harmful or you did something that really like impacted a lot of people in a negative way. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not acknowledging that, then what we don't have to be friends anymore. Like we don't have to keep, I don't have to keep trying, but if we're going to like acknowledge it or if you are going to acknowledge it and then you're willing to do some repair yeah, and it's going to take a long time. Like it's not going to happen instantly too. And I think like with children, they're much quicker to rebound than adults Mm -hmm. um, because we have a lot of our own unpacking and stuff to do too. Um, But it's really like the repair piece is really important. And we often forget that because we move into this urgency of like, I need to fix things when it's um, maybe yourself that you need to fix. And I'm learning all our internal family systems and like all the parts 
and your protector parts that come back right. shame and all the things I had a parenting expert on. And I'm like, I will just like mm. rage out. And my daughter, she's like, the thing is not the thing. It's like, she's showing you something that's reminding you of something else. And I'm like, but I don't even, I'm just getting into all that. Yeah. And like, <laughs> Parenting is hard. You know, it's like the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life because you just want to make sure that the young people in your life are like happy and kind and safe and healthy and like solid community members that are going to like, not just take from the community, but give to. And so it's really hard to balance all of that when you're also like trying to do your own stuff too. Yeah. Something you would want to leave. I guess you kind of like, like, a white woman that's listening to this podcast, like, just do this. I know you said start, like, you can start a group of people, but like, don't mm-hmm. say this. Like, what is, what are you seeing <laughs> or like, can you just not that would like benefit someone listening to this? Um, I think the thing that I always like share with adults, especially white adults is like, deal with your own stuff, your own, like recognize your biases, deal with your own understanding of race and racism and your role in it. And, you know, even if you're nice and you're kind, like (laughs) the way that society has given you advantages and is like, not just you, but like historically, like really reckoning with that can be really powerful. Um, I can't remember the name of the book. I think it's the pound for flesh or something. It's like a, a book on the history of the ways white women colluded with um, enslavement. Oh my gosh. Um, and it's really powerful, right? Cause you're looking at history, but you can see the ways yeah. that things have not been left behind. Um, and so really recognizing that. And then also like as a white woman, you have a relationship with other white women And so call them out, um, call them in on their biases when they, when they come through. And, but I feel like people are like, well, I didn't mean it that way. Like the, is there something between intention? Like Mm -hmm. my intent was not to offend, but it's like, but you did. So then people are like, I guess that's what you're talking about with the repair. It's like, you, you offended me and you're not doing anything about it. Like when you call it out, it's like, well, I didn't mean it that way. Yeah. You're like, sure. I'm sure you didn't mean it. Right. Exactly. And here's how it was taken. And next time, exactly. Here's what you could do differently. And it's, you know, not, it doesn't have to be made into this big deal, but like everything has an impact, whether you intend it to or not. Yeah, Um, totally. Okay. So the anti-racist kit is available now. Where else can people find you? I'm often on social media on Instagram in particular. Um, I don't spend a lot of time on Twitter anymore. (laughs) I so appreciate you doing this. Congratulations on your book. Thank you so much. It's such a labor of love and I'm so excited. It's in this world. Thank you so much for listening to the squats and margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So you never miss an episode and I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of squats and margaritas. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. 
Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Shred Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. So I switched to Boost Mobile and got this free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Why do you think they call it the Galaxy? Maybe because the Samsung Galaxy A23 has a huge screen. And galaxies are huge gravitationally bound systems of stars rotating around a supermassive black hole. And the phone is free? When you switch to Boost Mobile. Cool. You lost me at gravitationally bound. Switch to Boost and get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. Limited time offer while supplies last. New customers only. Excludes tax. One device offer per line. Only available on certain networks. 5G not available everywhere. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. At the Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com slash workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. It pays to paint with Lowe's. Pros can earn more faster by signing up for our MVPs Pro Rewards Program. Get up to 20% back when you buy more paint, including top paint and stain brands pros trust, such as HGTV Home by Sherwin-Williams and Valspar. Visit us in-store or at Lowe's.com today to get started. Based on minimum qualifying annual spend, Lowe's gifts card must be claimed by last day of calendar year. Valid through 1231. Additional exclusions, terms, and conditions apply. See Lowe's.com slash L slash pro loyalty terms for details.